This week on Center Stage, we are talking to attorney Stefan Greenweiss, who deals with uh, international legal cases. He's uh, licensed to practice in several different countries and jurisdictions all over the globe. Um, and I wanted to bring him on today to kind of talk about uh, how U.S.-based attorneys can deal with cases that involve international clients or international issues. Um, it's a little bit different uh, from the overall theme that we've kind of established with this show, but I think it's something that's really valuable, especially for a lot of young lawyers, law students out there, um, and, and just something that you may not come across on a regular basis in your own practice, but something that you may need to keep in mind as, as specific issues arrive and as you continue on in your legal career. So uh, again, you know, I think this is another just really valuable episode. I know I kind of say that every show, but these are just really valuable topics that I think are really going to help a lot of you out. So I hope you, hope you do enjoy this. I hope you learned something from it. I know I learned a lot from it. I'm, I'm obviously not a lawyer, but I, I've spent a lot of time in the legal world and I learned a lot from listening to Stefan talk about uh, just how he approaches things, how he approaches uh, lawyering across borders. And so without further ado, we're going to jump into it right now. This is Center Stage, putting lawyers in the spotlight by highlighting attorneys and other industry experts to help take your law firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson, and today I'm joined by uh, Stefan Greenweiss. Uh, he is going to be talking to us today about just some international issues uh, when it comes to doing some legal work, especially when you're dealing with clients who may work or live in a country that is not the United States. Uh, and this can pop up, you know, issues like this can pop up across almost every practice area. But Stefan, I know that you are going to be talking a little bit about contracts and some uh, uh, GDPR issues. And so uh, I think it's going to be really valuable for, for our audience to hear this and kind of learn about your approach and, you know, what, what you do when you encounter things like this. So Stefan, uh, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing this morning? Good, John. Thanks for, for having me. And thank you, everyone. Good morning to you all. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So I'm Stefan Greenweiss. I, I've had a 30-year practice as a lawyer so far really uh, spent half in Europe and, and half in, uh, in North America. I come from international, so it's kind of easy for me to position myself doing international work. Um, I really advise clients uh, from international in doing business in the US as well as US clients in doing business internationally. Um, so I've had my share of, uh, of issues encountered by uh, obviously clients doing business in another jurisdiction than the one they originate from, as well as lawyering um, you know, clients, um, you know, when uh, ultimately law is very national in essence, very, you know, based to, based on a particular legal system. So there's a number of uh, discrepancies and differences in, in legal systems. And I think bridging those differences is really uh, what makes the job of an international interesting. And, and, and that's really what I do on a daily basis. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, just jumping right in here. What, do you see a lot of US-based attorneys make? What's, what's kind of a big mistake that you see them make when they're dealing with international clients? Yeah, and, and it's actually a first-hand experience because before I even set up my firm, I used to work uh, almost 15 years in-house at a number of US companies uh, in Europe as well as in the US. So I've, I've had my share working with lawyers who are primarily uh, or, or only uh, admitted as lawyers in the, in the US. I think part of the issue we have uh, when we are looking at things through the prism of being U.S. lawyers is that we kind of look at the world a bit as if it was an American world. 
Um, many right. times we look at contracts, we look at even contract drafting protocols, the way that we approach drafting, the way that we advise clients um, uh, on doing things is very much based on our education as, as lawyers from wherever we are, you know, uh, we were educated. And I think it's, there's no criticism in that. It's just that it's, that's what I've, se I've sensed many times is, uh, is lawyers giving a bit of a US solution to issues that are not US issues at times, like mm -hmm. international issues. And I think it's, it's kind of, this is where I see uh, there's a bit of a, of a gap in terms of uh, bridging those differences. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's that I may be getting on a soapbox here a little bit, but it, you know, it's that sort of e American ego that we have where we kind of just assume that our way is the best way. A lot of times we don't even think about the fact that, you know, maybe other countries do things differently. And so what would you kind of recommend an attorney do when they sort of take on a case that have international elements to it first before maybe jumping right in and, and just kind of seeing, you know, doing things how they always do it. I think just being conscious of the differences they are in not just the contract drafting style, but also differences in just the legal systems. Uh, when you advise a client that comes from international uh, into doing business in the U.S., obviously the primary purpose for them to come to you is really to get advice on U.S. law. However, they come from a different legal system. And a lot of what, um, you know, the, the value of what you bring is going to be just the ability to understand those differences and, and kind of help an international client based on where they're coming from, how their legal system is, understand the differences with the U.S. system rather, rather than just throw at them a U.S. solution without understanding those, those differences. And I think that's that's really just spending a bit more time getting in the shoes of, of the client, understand where they're coming from, and put them at ease with understanding that just because things are done differently in the U.S. than they would be in their country, that doesn't mean they're less protective or they, they're, they're just different. And I think it's about the talent of, of getting them to understand that. Awesome. So uh, you mentioned contracts there a little bit. How do you handle contracts that are written in the U.S., but they're for an international client? Well, I mean, the, the, one of the things I always try to do is, uh, and I'm involved in a lot of localization work where, mm. you know, I have a, a client coming from, I don't know, like the UK or, or Italy, and they come from a legal system that is different. They have certain contracts that are drafted, uh, you know, under their local legal system laws and, uh, and, and, you know, and understanding what those, um, you know, contracts are and how to translate that culturally into a US contract without losing the essence of what the client is trying to do under the legal system to cover themselves by contract, I think it's really what, what needs to happen as opposed to totally taking the US model in a way in isolation from, um, you know, I, I do, um, from where they're coming from, I obviously do a lot of US advice as well as foreign advice being admitted on both uh, sides of the Atlantic. Uh, and so a lot of my work is equally about advising under US law clients coming from international as much as advising US clients on foreign laws. And obviously a lot of the work is really translating those concepts in a way that um, you, know, you, you are able to convey um, the same level of protection that then you have in one legal systems into another without um, having two different ways of, of essentially protecting the company and the client. Yeah. And so for, for our audience, where all are you admitted across the world to practice law? 
Well, I'm, I'm admitted in four countries. I'm admitted in, uh, uh, in Europe, uh, both in the EU, um, in France, and in the UK, outside of the EU, but still in Europe. And I'm admitted in North America, both in the US, in New York, and in Canada. Awesome. And so are there, are there any, I guess, big noticeable differences between how the US legal system works versus some of those European systems? Well, I mean, it, it's beyond, beyond, um, um, you know, European. And uh, I mean, if you really do a, an inventory of international jurisdictions, you see that about 74% of jurisdictions around the world mm-hmm. are civil law jurisdictions. They're not common law jurisdictions. And the U.S. is a common law regime that is really based on the originally England, English law. And, uh, and I think the same applies to, you, to, to Canada, uh, the, but the Anglophone side of Canada Mm-hmm. versus the French side with Quebec, and then uh, the UK as well as the common law system. But if you really look at all of Europe, the rest outside of the, the, the UK, and if you look at South America, if you look at Asia, if you look at a lot of those countries, they're fe- effectively civil law countries. They're not common law countries. And there's a big divide in the way that uh, the law is structured and developed in those countries, the common law system being more of a case-based um, uh, you know, a case law based system, you know, where a lot of the law is developed over decisions by courts and legislation, whereas in, in um, civil law countries, a lot of it is codified in codes. And, and, and really the legislation passes um, laws that are then converted into uh, provisions in codes and, and, and the code is really what um, and, and, you know, what drives the interpretation of the law versus, and it's written versus unwritten the way it is in common law, which is a lot based on, on case law. So that's a big difference. And that translates into the way that contracts are drafted and, mm-hmm. and advice is also given. Lawyering also applies uh, in, differently in civil countries as it is in the U.S. Well, yeah. So, I mean, all I'm hearing, and I mean, I'm not an attorney, but I've, I've been around the legal world, but I am hearing that, I mean, there's just a lot of things to consider when you're bringing, you know, other countries' legal issues or, or legal systems into, uh, you know, a U.S.-based case, or, you know, maybe someone's coming from another country and they've got a legal issue, and there's just so many different things that, that you need to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you think... Uh, you know, U.S.-based attorneys should consult with other attorneys who have international experience like you when they're drafting these contracts just to make sure that, you know, not only they're protected, but maybe their clients are protected or maybe that everything is being explained properly? I think, I think it is a service that you would actually give to the client by doing this versus huh. just, you know, again, at times, you know, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way, but at times, the, the worst situation you can be in is where the blind is leading the blind in a way that, right. you know, a U.S. client gets advice. And I've had issues and I've had experience of that actually even recently, again, on GDPR issues where a U.S. lawyer is advising a U.S. client on European law. And in the end, you know, the U.S. client may know no European law as much as a European lawyer. And but it's certainly by doing a bit of research, you know, probably more than their clients. And between the two of them, they may think that this is actually a great, a, a great way to, uh, to, um, to, 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 you know, to have a relationship on, on the professional side. And I think, I think in the end, um, being able to bring in expertise into the mix when you're advising your clients, so your client knows that in the end you have their best interests at heart, and you're able to, whenever you don't feel comfortable enough giving advice in foreign law, you are bringing experts that can help. I think it's ultimately altogether a, 
a, a service to the client. And I think it also helps in a way the US clients develop a bit more of an expertise on foreign laws, which they can help the next time around when they have a different client having a similar issues. Awesome. And so um, great, great transition here. It's almost like we've kind of talked about this beforehand. Um, but you mentioned the GDPR stuff. Um, I know that when a lot of the big revisions were made, I, I think probably 2019, um, we had a lot of our clients asking us about how that affected their marketing and, and stuff. And I know that there's a lot more to it than that. But how do you advise your US clients um, on those GDPR rules? Well, I mean, GDPR is uh, is an interesting piece of legislation because it's uh, it's the product of a um, of a compromise between a number of countries in the EU around what should be the kind of level playing field regarding uh, uh, privacy in the EU. It's extraterritorial, so it it does impact uh, companies. It does impact even law firms who are clients in the EU and collect data from those clients. Uh, and and I, what what I've what I've seen is important to and and really shows a bit of the differences with the way that I advise clients on GDPR is when I read the GDPR the GDPR really reads to me very much as a civil law and a European text mm-hmm. the way that it drafted the inspiration the concepts that it has it's very difficult to understand the GDPR outside of understanding civil law I mean obviously anybody can read the text of the GDPR but the really the essence and, and really the difference when it comes to uh, advising on the GDPR is actually what is between the lines of the GDPR. And, and it's not a text that is very well drafted. So uh, really the being able to advise on that is kind of taking that text, but also taking a number of those derogations at the national level in the EU that have been passed in the wake of GDPR to implement the GDPR international law, as well as looking at all the opinions of the regulators across the EU, as well as the, at the European level. And I think it's the mix of all of that and understanding where they're giving opinions, they're giving recommendations, guidance, sometimes to make up for the fact that the text is not very well drafted, that I think you are in a position to advise your clients. And, you know, so I, I think it's one of those, when I, what I've done in advising GDPR, and I've also um, sensed that, you know, if you advise a client on GDPR and you tell them you've got to change everything because of GDPR, which is never really a good approach to have to begin with, uh, but the old client tells you, well, you know, it's great, but the EU is maybe 5 to 10% of my business. Mm. Uh, if you start upsetting everything in the way they do business, when you're just targeting 5 to 10% of their business, you're not going to make them whole from a privacy compliance standpoint. So I think the, the solution there is being able to, uh, you know, hit two birds with one stone and take the GDPR as a basis, but allow them to develop a framework of compliance that allows them not just based on GDPR principles, but allows them to comply not just with EU law, but also US law. And, 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 you know, and also in the US, if you look at some of the developments recently in California, Nevada, and other states, we are moving more and more towards a GDPR model. So I think taking the stricter way of, of advising clients on privacy and using that as a baseline to help them comply across the world, wherever they do business, is I think the, the better approach than just sequencing things based on regions and making it difficult to manage. Awesome. Well, that is, uh, those are all the questions that I have for you. I thought that this was fantastic. I know I've learned a lot from this. I hope all of you out there have learned a lot from this. So um, Stefan, before we wrap up here, uh, if you had one piece of advice to give all of our attorneys out there, what would it be? Well, you know, reach out. I mean, that would be the one thing. I really think that, you know, I, I know my own limitations as much as I practice U.S. law. There are a lot of areas where I just don't feel comfortable enough. And I always 
look at uh, advising under and I always look at bridging and uh, you know and creating relationships with other, with other US based lawyers to help my clients have a complete set of solutions and advice I would advise the same whatever clients uh, uh, you know whatever US lawyers are uh, working on a uh, on a file that would require uh, really uh, foreign assistance uh, I would think that rather than tell the client I can't do this um, so go to see someone else or going on the false impression that you are capable enough, you feel comfortable enough advising on foreign law is just creating that relationship with other lawyers that can advise on various pieces, including international lawyers, and just bring this to your client as a solution you would, um, you would deliver to them. Yeah, totally agree. I, you know, I mean, we talk about the importance of building relationships and, and building those referral sources here all the time. Uh, you know, these international cases are no different. Um, how can people get up with you specifically if they have international cases that they need help with? Well, I mean, I invite everybody to go to my website. I also publish regularly on the issue of international and foreign law in contracts, GPR, regulatory, and other aspects. My, my website is uh, transatlantic. Uh, um, dash lawyer.com. Um, and I can also be reached uh, on, on my phone number 347-543-3035. And, uh, and I'd be happy to engage even in an informal conversation with you just to exchange on those kind of uh, topics and, and, and bridging those international differences. I look forward to engaging with as many as possible. Awesome. And yeah, I'll make sure that that info is in the episode description. Uh, so wherever you're listening or watching, you can grab that info right there. So uh, Stefan, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, for everyone out there, uh, continue to rate and review us wherever you're uh, watching or listening, downloading. Uh, and yeah, stick around and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you, John. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.